Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nintendo Pop Like here on Barker's Network. I'm your host, the enlightened, excited, and the joining me is the one, the only bossman himself, Mr. Corey Derrick. Hello, I'm here. Welcome to the show. Yes, hello. How are you? I'm good. Uh, <laughs> the opposite issue is happening. My daughter is not crying instead of my son, but it's okay. I'm uh, here. It's, uh, it's going to be a good night, though. It is. We, everybody, I got to say, if you not have watched the latest Nintendo Expansion Pass, you are missing out. I was, I've been watching it, and I've just been enjoying it. it it's always good for me, personally, watching recorded shows, and when it goes live, to see how the listeners in the community are going to respond to it, and, you know, read in there. Uh, we also have ranking... Uh, Nintendo out with our Game Boy Advance episode. So do go check that out also. I would love to hear what you guys um, have played on that system. If you own it, what's your favorites? What's your dislikes about it? Um, where would you rank it at on our list? Like, I'm very interested. Last but not least, got to shout out a big happy birthday to Shane Kelly. He is uh, part of the Bosch Rush writer team and also of another Zelda podcast. So, Shay, happy birthday to you. You're looking young. You're looking fresh. Uh, I love your Nintendo. He's got some good hair, by the way. (sighs) He's always had good hair. I'm very jealous because I have to wear a hat now. Uh, It's getting to the point where, like, just sad. My hair is gone. You know, I've always wished I had so this may seem weird everybody but i always wish i had caucasian hair mm. in a sense have loose hair because i feel like i would be able to style it more and everything again with my texture of hair <laughs> as everybody can see i'm bald uh there's not much i could do with my kind of hair uh hmm. well so you know ed I have Caucasian hair, and guess what? I'm so overrated. <laughs> uh, but yes, Shane, happy birthday to you. Uh, hopefully you do enjoy um, this live episode of Nintendo Power Block, and everybody, by the time it hits Wednesday, if you haven't wished him a happy birthday, you know, go and wish him one in, in our Discord and everything. Yeah. But Corey, we got some housekeeping to get into uh, before we kind of talk about how our weekend was. Yeah, let's let's get this out of the way. So nothing in terms of show stuff, uh, but we are giving away two copies of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Cowabunga Collection. Uh, the rules are simple: leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, screenshot it, and email Nintendo Powerblock at gmail.com or DM Powerblock Podcasts on Twitter. A great review on Apple Podcasts will grant you a second entry. Upcoming giveaways also are for Splatoon 3, Bayonetta 3, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and uh, Powerbox Game of the Year when December rolls around. So uh, get those in. Very excited to give away two copies of this game. I'm excited to play this game. Yes. One more week, dude. (laughs) Almost here. Ed Um, disappeared, by the way. I'm excited to play too. Oh no! Can't see you. That's fine. 
It's fine. We don't need to look there at you. Go. There you are. Haha. <laughs> it's fine. So, Corey, how was your weekend, man? It was. It was all right. You know, kind of laid back and uh, played a lot of Destiny, which I'll talk about later. Uh, did some redesigns of stuff and just worked on a bunch of, you know, stuff for us and for other things and. Yeah, it was. I mean, we didn't really do a lot. We hung out. We ate some food and relaxed. And yeah, how was your weekend, Ed? Um, it was kind of uh laid back. Um, my friend at his church, because I've been singing there on Sundays. Um, we were leaving to get off the choir stand, <laughs> and something fell it was like a big like like the drums that was in the church fell we were just like what the world was that it literally scared us and we were just like i don't know so we looked and i was just like oh i got to go because <laughs> i was just like something don't feel right so uh then this good old one to leave and so uh that happened it was it was just funny because it was just like we had it was so quiet we had all left and then it just felt like the whole drums fell, but it, but no, it's just something fell over. Um, had a really good weekend at work. Uh, a little bit laid back. Uh, it was good to get into the groove of things uh, with work, uh, and then just playing a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles, and uh, really excited to talk more about that game. Uh, I've talked about it with Play with Power, uh, but. We was talking earlier about Saints Row um, getting reviewed, uh, and just I think it, the uh, discussion has been talking about people coming on and uh, you know dragging a game that they haven't played just because it got some uh, uh, low scores and stuff uh, and everything. It is. I was just I was just thinking that there are gamers who weren't even looking forward to this. And I think they were just, I don't know. I, I feel like people were just ready to bag on this game. If it didn't hit the numbers, like high numbers, like in the eighties or seventies and stuff. Um, because to me, I, I know that it had all these, all these delays to get the game up and running, but it looks good in motion. But I guess, you know, when you actually start playing the game, there's probably going to be some problems. But we and you were talking about there will probably be some patches too uh, with it. Uh, last but not least, I was looking at the Last of Us trailer that's coming to HBO Max. Um, I, I'm i not wowed by it at all. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a show coming to HBO. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about it. I'm not in the least bit interested i don't really care for the last of us so uh and i don't really care for like the walking dead or you know shows like that so i mean i just i don't know i'm just not really that interested to be 100 percent honest with you i'm just not and i'm not i'm and i'm not gonna knock the show or anything because of um of the trade or anything but i think i i mentioned i had a fear of this that is not going to be appealing to me because of watching that Resident Evil show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. uh, and everything. And I'm just like, I, I feel like this same feeling I have for this Brazil show, I would have for The Last of Us. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I feel like The Last of Us is going to be better produced because it's HBO, and mm-hmm. you know they have they actually have the uh, <laughs> creative team behind it. So I think it's going to be yeah. a little bit better. But I mean, I just. I'm not really the person to ask you if it's going to be good or bad because I don't care, honestly. I mean, if they, I, I just feel like I hope they just don't be like, well, we recaptured most of what the game is and kind of did it scene for scene, but it changes some things up. I'm just like, if it's going to feel like that, I, I don't think this series should actually get the praise and love. If it gets any, if it's just like scene for scene, from like from game to TV adaptation, um, I know I was talking to uh, Nick from Beyond WASD, and I kind of I was asking him, or I had made this request. I'm just like, I know you guys talked about the Netflix show, but I kind of want you guys to play Quantum Break and really get into that gang, but also watch the TV segments mm-hmm. and see what you think about it. Because I love the TV segments in uh, Quantum Break. Um, and I feel like Remedy did a fantastic job with those uh, TV segments. Yeah. Well, I mean, they also had TV production team behind that game too, right? Remember when Microsoft mm-hmm. had like a production studio for like a year and a half? And yes. they were ma- like... Uh, Microsoft was paying for that production, so I mean, yeah, that's gonna be better. I I don't know. I just I'm not interested. I mean, we're gonna talk about Sega <laughs> revealing some stuff, and obviously Sony revealed some stuff this week too, yeah. of like movies and stuff based on IP, and uh, it's it's gonna be the new hot thing, right? Video games are huge, and people have been trying to make these huge for a while, just like comic yeah. book movies in the '80s and or the '90s and well, really, like, probably since the 70s with Superman, right? And then through the 90s, they were just like, okay. And then we really started getting good comic book movies with X-Men and Spider-Man and then great ones with the MCU. So, I mean, video games are the next untapped market. You know, yeah. It... I, re- I really feel like Microsoft, uh, and we're going to get it to our Patreon producers, I really feel like Microsoft... If they ever got a TV production, like they had, like it stuff wasn't like on Paramount Plus or anything. But well, they did like, at one point. There was a Viva Pinata show on Nickelodeon or something. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, obviously that's not like, it's not like. I mean, we have Halo too, also, right? Like, not that it's good or bad either way. I don't. I haven't seen it yet, and I don't really care to. But, uh, man. So I'm not like. Here's the thing. I know I'm sounding pretty down on TV, like games into tv or whatever mm-hmm. it's fine but like i want to play my games i don't want to i don't really care to watch them now there's certain there's certain things that really go hand in hand hand with movies that i like right like uncharted i watched the uncharted movie it was pretty good i enjoyed it because i I, I mean fun. i like i like indiana jones and movies like that it was pretty good uh yeah not like an academy award-winning movie or anything oh. but you know yeah it was fun. I bought it. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't purchase it. I, I bought the idea that Tom Holland was Nathan Drake and that thing. It was good. Uh, I liked the girl who played Chloe. That was pretty. She was really good in it. 
uh, you know, and, and I think stuff like that's going to work. But I mean, like Horizon or God of War or Halo, like, I just don't see them working long term, you know, or Where... Fallout, you know, like they're, that Amazon's putting like millions of dollars into this Fallout show, you know, and it's like, come on guys like is that is it gonna work like i don't know i I don't know i kind of feel like and definitely this is nintendo that i think they got it right when it comes to tv having or ips using uh being turned into a tv or a short or something because i love the pikmin shorts you know, I love that the Pokemon did the Pokemon movies. Like, those are enjoyable to watch. But, you know, you got the memorable Super Mario Brothers. And, you know, depending on, of course, at the the animation of that time was different to what we have now. But, like, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show was the thing that people was watching. We was watching the real-life Porsches, but we was also watching the animated stuff in cartoons. And it was because it was goofy fun. It was set for kids. But I think, like, if Nintendo was supposed to take Metroid or anything, or the Link or the Legend of Zelda, or even Splatoon for that, for for some reason, I think now they would have, of course, they will overlook everything, but they know that we want to make sure that the quality of what we produce is right. Right. But I, th- I think, like, a, a kid's show based around Splatoon is going to work would work a hundred times better than this Mario movie that they're making. Right. And mm-hmm. who's to say, right. I'm sitting in, <laughs> I'm sitting in my office, like not making movies, you know? So who's to say, right. Who, who could have predicted that the last, like the Sonic movies were as good as they were. Uh, I haven't seen Sonic two yet, but I hear it's really good. It's really Sonic, good. Yes. Sonic one was really good, you know? And it's like, well, who am I to say? I guess Mario might work, but, it's just, I don't know. I just, I just want to play my games. I'm not the biggest. The thing too is, is like, I always have to be doing something like with my hands or like whatever. Uh-huh. And if I'm just sitting there watching TV, like I start bouncing my leg and like getting fidgety and like. That's why. That's why like the switch is so <laughs> nice for me is because like I can watch something and play something at the same time. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not really that into it. I don't need to be the person that gets into everything. You know, I just, just not into it. Well, everybody, um, that's just a little taste of how we do Expression Pass because it literally felt like a Special Pass moment. Uh, but we're going to get into our Patreon producers. Do uh, you have anything else, Corey? No, I'm just, uh, I've shaved this uh, this morning and it feels weird. Cause like, it's just a little bit. Cause my, I, what I, I need a new thing Shaver. And, and it just, it always gets too short and I always like rub it and I'm like, ah, it's too short. And then my face looks fat, but I am fat. So it doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, Patreon, <laughs> Patreon, everybody. <laughs> nothing to say about that. <laughs> uh, you can support Nintendo Power block and the rest of the boss rush network on Patreon patreon.com slash boss rush network uh where you can subscribe monthly uh at specific tiers and get specific perks like at the one dollar tier where you get early access to expansion pass after dark standard definition and the boss rush podcast or 
you can subscribe at the $5 tier, which gets you early access, plus a Patreon producer credit here on this show. So without further ado, our Patreon producers for this episode of Nintendo Power Block are Adriel Munger, Celeste Roberts, my wife, Sana Dierig, Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. I want to... Uh, I want to thank all of our Patreon producers. I want to thank all of our patrons. And I want to thank all of our free listeners out there. If you don't want to support us financially, it's okay. All of our content remains free. We just ask that you leave us a nice five-star rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Remember, if you do that and send it to us, you get an entry into our giveaway, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, so, yeah. be nice if you did that. Leave us a review. Yes. All right, everybody. It's time for Snack-Tendo. And, Corey, I'm going to go first with the Snack-Tendo because I know I'm going to get a look for this. Uh, now. You're uh, going to get a look anyway because you're just weird, <laughs> but it's fine. So uh, I'm just going to bring in this one snack. Uh, no, actually two snacks. I'm Uh-oh. sorry. So the first snack, I had Domino's. Uh, Saturday night and I ordered some for the closing manager and associate like they could go in and have some and so I got a handmade pan pizza with barbecue sauce Italian sausage and pineapple on it oh Ed hold on hold on now listen you're just ruining pizza man so I wanted to try something different that's why I did this combo it's not bad. It was really good. Um, because for some reason, their barbecue sauce sometimes is kind of spicy. Um, and I think this one had honey in it. It was like honey barbecue uh, sauce. So I just used it as like the sauce. And of course, they did the cheese and everything. Um, it was easy to go down and eat. Um, the crust was just like so buttery and cheesy and it was it was really good I, I i was experimenting with new styles of pizza changing things up so i enjoyed it i, I like it it's not a mainstay or anything but i just wanted to do something different uh my last snack everybody i did try the dream world coca-cola that is out uh, we just got it uh in our store uh last thursday so um I, I was waiting for the guys to put it in and drink a cold and everything. So I tried it Friday um, to get a taste of it. So when it's def- when it's like really cold from the freezer um, and you start drinking it, it tastes like a green apple Jolly Rancher. But as it gets warm, it starts having a more mango flavor. It, it, like, it changes the warmer that it gets. Um, it's not bad. But I think I like their Starlight better, of their of their new kind of you know trying different Coke flavors and everything. And I think it's the kind of candy flavor that the Starlight was from Coke. Um, other than that, I've been drinking Cherry Coke too, mm. um, and sm- Smart Water Clarity. Uh, and I had two monsters, two Mango Monsters <laughs> this weekend. Look, the Mango Monsters, dude. They Pepsi fills those, not Pepsi. Coke fills them up. Is it Coke? I think it's Coke. Um, they fill all of those monsters uh, up for the mango, and it's the first one that's gone out of all of them. 
Like we like we can't. I mean, right now we got to sell for them, but man, we cannot keep them in. And every time I, even when I have leftovers and I restock them, they're gone. And we don't sell the four pack neither. Uh, we used to sell it, but we don't sell it anymore for the four pack. Hmm. So uh, that's kind of what I just been snacking on. Um, I didn't get to go to the store, which I'll probably do tomorrow. Uh, see if there's some new snacks in report uh, the following week. About snacks. Ooh, excuse me. Okay. Uh, well, I don't really have a lot to talk about this week for Snack Tendo. Uh, my my wife brought. Well, we had sushi, uh, for dinner last night, which was pretty mm. good. Uh, it was just <laughs> it was just grocery store sushi, but that's that sushi's better than like a lot of the places around here. Uh, <laughs> okay. So yeah, uh, the Giant Eagle, which is like the regional grocery store chain around here uh uh-huh. has like a marketplace inside of it where you can go and like get salads and dinner boxes and kits and stuff and they have a sushi kitchen and it's made fresh daily so uh we had that and i had some spicy shrimp rolls which were pretty good mm, and so uh good. some crunchy california which was pretty good uh and then she bought these cookies like these chocolate, they they were triple chocolate cookies, <gasps> and they were just chocolate mm. cookies with like chocolate chips and white chocolate chunks and that kind of stuff in them. So those were pretty good. So that's uh, not not as exciting as last week, but you know, nothing's, uh, nothing's as last... exciting as 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 vacation food. Although Ed, so <laughs> it's funny because we're. <laughs> my disney vacation is in 10 weeks (laughs) and so i've been like looking at menus and trying to like plan out what i'm gonna eat there because i'm (laughs) a loser and i do that uh Uh, you already know that i need the picture of the earl sandwich of what you're gonna oh yeah dude i'm gonna get like five you know dude my one of I have like a whole gift card dedicated to that place. Uh, really? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to get like 10 sandwiches. I don't care. I'm going to bring them home. By the way, side tangent, speaking of Earl's sandwich. So one time my parents were trying to bring home sandwiches to me because they went and uh, is that an Arby's cup? Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted. Uh, and like, so the sandwiches come in these they're they come like they wrap them in foil and put them in your bag or whatever well they're round and cylindrical and they kind of look like bombs <laughs> so my dad had them in his book bag and he got stopped at the gate because <laughs> of these sandwiches <laughs> and he had to explain to them that he's bringing food home for his son so it was funny uh but yeah man i'm i'm so excited <laughs> so excited for a sandwich you have no idea Hold on. They got a new sandwich, and I have to figure... I I need to... I forget what it is. Uh, they got a new sandwich, though. I really oh, the, the Caribbean Jerk Chicken Sandwich is back. Ooh. So, uh, it's... Let me, let me pull up the menu. I really want them to come to the Midwest. Uh, they, I mean, there's one in Philadelphia. I think there's one... Hold on. I'll 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 bring up a location in a second. Oh, it's not even on their menu. You didn't even put it on your menu. 
Anyways. No! I always get the original, which is just roast beef, cheddar, and horse, horsey, horseradish sauce. Mm. I always get... So every time I go there, I get two originals. And mm-hmm. again, this is spread across like multiple visits while I'm there. So I'm not like extremely fat, everybody. I always get two originals. I get the Applewood BLT. Mm, that's so good. Can I tell you, Applewood is so good. Like Applewood bacon. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Yeah. I get the Chipotle chicken avocado. Mm. And I usually get a club. But if the. If the so the Hawaiian barbecue is gone, I used to get that too. It's gone. Uh, I don't know why, but it's gone. Uh, but I'm gonna have to try this. Uh, this Caribbean jerk chicken. That looks amazing. It's got. It looks like it has some spicy mayonnaise and some grilled chicken and some red and yellow peppers on it. Looks pretty good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All right, Ed. you know I I expect I'm finding you in Earl of Sand. Where where are you? What is the closest one to you? Hmm. There's none. In, okay. There's sorry, Ed. Nothing close yeah. to you. Uh, it looks like the closest one to you, Ed, is either Idaho or Pennsylvania. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, if I go to, if I go to Penny. Uh, I am going to go get a Philly cheesesteak. I actually had a Philly cheesesteak in Pennsylvania when I went with my friend. I left that mug and I was just like, can we please go get another one before we leave? And we couldn't. Because, uh, man, that the the Philly cheesesteaks in actual Philadelphia Bombay. Yeah. Well, Bomb- when, I, when I went to visit, when I went to visit Matt, right, I, my wife, me and we all went to get real Philly cheesesteaks and they were like pretty good. Whiz and onions was pretty good. Just saying. Yes. Sorry. I got distracted by sandwiches. Anyways, I was looking up stuff on (laughs) vacation while we're there. It's the last week of the food and wine festival at Epcot. So we're going to be eating and walking and, probably pooping so you know are you gonna have some wine i don't know i'll probably just eat food so you're not gonna not gonna like you know taste it and be like, nom, 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 nom. no because kids will be with us and you know that's all okay uh where everybody <laughs> <laughs> it's time for Play with power. Corey, where have you been playing with power? Uh, I mean, I didn't really play a lot this weekend uh, because I was home from vacation. And, you know, I consume myself with work when I get when I'm at home. Uh, but I did play. I So I, I didn't play anything on Switch in particular, but I did play a lot of Destiny this weekend because a the new se- the new season starts and is being revealed on Tuesday. So the game is being taken offline for maintenance at 10 a.m. The pre-show for the presentation starts at 11. The presentation starts at 12, and then the game goes back online at 1. (laughs) So uh, the new season starts tomorrow. It's already been leaked uh, a little. Some of the stuff's already been leaked, which is fine. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
the season's not the big deal. It's the they're doing a big reveal of the next expansion and the Fortnite crossover, which is coming, uh, where Destiny characters I think will be skins in Fortnite, and they already the Fortnite skins have already been leaked in Destiny, which the Warlock and the Hunter sets look really cool. Uh, but the Titan set looks really dumb. So I can't believe that's the set they chose for the Titan. I'm really disappointed. But also the big news this weekend was we cleared the new raid. And it was the first time I had ever run ran it because I don't have any friends. But we opened a uh, Discord server for Tower Casuals, which is my Destiny podcast. And... Uh, I raided with the community and it was really fun. We all raided and uh, got the clear and it was just a really good time. Uh, How long long did the race normally take? (sighs) Well, so it depends uh, if you've run it before or not. And like we had some guides, but there was also a lot of people who didn't, uh, there were some people who didn't hadn't ever done the raid before. Uh-huh. So there was like three of us who hadn't run it before, two of us that had kind of run it before, and one person who had run it, you know, a few times before. So learning the mechanics and stuff, I mean, I would say, well, so we started Friday. So I'd say overall, it between Friday and Sunday, it took us about four and a half hours. Uh, but a well-seasoned raid team could mm-hmm. probably do a raid in an hour. Like when when I was raiding regularly during the Taken King and Rise of Iron, and uh, when Destiny Two launched, like with my PlayStation raid team at the time, yeah, we we were clearing raids in like forty-five minutes. Like we were going in and out, and we would raid all three characters three times a night. And then just, you know, go do other things, right? So, uh, I mean, you, if you get a well-oiled machine uh, raid team in there, you could do it, do a raid in an hour or so. Uh, uh, I've, ne- I've <laughs> never done a raid. I think a, a lot of the extra stuff I haven't done is because, uh, like, I, I mean, I mentioned this before. Uh, I think when I finished the campaign uh, and, like, mm-hmm. some of the side stuff, I, like, mm-hmm. put the game away. Yeah, no, the, the the raids in the dungeons are the best parts of Destiny, in my opinion. Uh, the dungeons are like, the dungeons are basically three-man raids for people who don't, which was a great addition for them to add these, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, some people only play with one or two other people, and it gives them an end-game activity to really grind and do, right? And uh, the dungeons are really fun. Like, Grasp of Avarice was the 30th anniversary kind of, you know, it took place in a location on uh, from Destiny One. Uh, you know the the loot cave, the infamous loot cave, and you drop down into the loot cave, and you, uh, you know, went through this whole kind of back end of the Cosmodrome, and like you got Halo weapons and Marathon weapons, and you know, old Bungie games weapons, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, like the energy sword from. There's two energy swords from Halo in there. And uh, the myth sword and, you know, just all that kind of stuff, uh, which was fun. Uh, and then, you know, 
prophecy is like one of these crazy design kind of raids where you kind of go through and then like there's ribbons that you have to like fly on your sparrow on and there's these cool encounters and you have to like do things in the dark and do things in the light and it's just a really cool fun experience uh those the the raids in the dungeons are just great experiences and it kind of sad that not everybody gets to experience them i think bungie said only about 20 percent of the community has ever like completed a raid which is you know super it, it's higher than it was but it's super low still you know mm-hmm. i think in destiny one it was like less than 10 percent is it because it's is it because it's just it takes too many people or is it just too well long it requires six something? people it requires like a lot of dedication and uh grinding for certain weapons and master working weapons and getting the catalyst for certain exotics and uh building your character and you know it just requires a lot of work dedication and a team that is really dedicated to finishing right so mm-hmm. um it's for it, it it it's just really hard you know to to get all that together and which is nice when you have a community that will play you know together and then like you can go into like looking for group to try to do it, but then you don't know the people and some people are pretty rude if you don't have specific mm-hmm. things and yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard. So it has its positive, it has its pros and cons. Yeah. But I mean, sense. if you have a good group to play with and uh, you're willing to learn and take the time and uh, be patient with people, it's the best, it's the best experience hands down and multiplayer gaming for, you know all around it's so fun because it's, it's, it feels like it's more about community and everybody working as a team yeah team-based level like that that's yes well you, that's the thing are... it's like the mechanics are designed for everybody to have a role and you need to do your mm-hmm. part while everybody's doing their part and that way like all the mechanics kind of work together to um take you into like a damage phase of the boss and then you have to well after you get through this mechanic you know like so the newest raid valve disciple the final boss is rolk who is this uh in the grand story of destiny he's a disciple and he's like the best the best person of his race right and he's dedicated Mm -hmm. his life to the witness which is the big bad coming up so uh he so <laughs> when you get into the room the boss room first of all you have to get up to the boss room through this jumping puzzle which is really <laughs> annoying and difficult because jumping in first person games is just dumb uh but you get into the room and you see like the whole the whole raid revolves around these 20 or so symbols and you're kind of like you get one person gets this buff, but the person with the buff can't read the symbols. So another player has to call out the symbol, and then you have to like know where to go for that symbol and kind of dunk this orb right. And uh, if you dunk it in the wrong whatever, you die. And then uh, you also have only have so many revives before you have to restart the encounter. Also, uh, it's just it's crazy. It's wild. Like, I don't even know really how to explain it. Uh, the next time 
I raid with people, I'm going to record it and kind of just see if I can do one of the mechanics or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like a different mechanic every time just so I can learn these things. But the big news in Destiny is that (laughs) uh, the Taken King raid is coming back. The King's Fall raid, which is my favorite raid of all time. Uh, It's just nothing will ever beat that raid for me. And What's... The Taken King, that's Destiny 1, but is that the second DLC? It's the first major one. First major one? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm excited for that to come back, especially with, like, there's probably going to be a couple new mechanics. There's, I mean, all the super, like, all the supers are different, you know, from Destiny 1, so, like, that's going to change things. They kind of revise some things. Uh, different weapons, different builds, these kind of things. So it's going to be really fun to like interact with that raid differently. Uh, but man, so excited! I'm so excited. That's cool. That's really cool. Uh, I season think, I think... of the plunder. It's called. It's a pirate-based season. Oh wow! I think that's why it's definitely important now for Destiny to have crossplay. Um, oh yeah. I and I think I think that's that should have raise the numbers for the race um and i hopefully it does hopefully people more people get into it um i know well that in like discord being implemented into xbox and playstation yeah you know so when we were raiding this weekend i played with my one friend mitch who plays on xbox but we played with three pc players and a playstation player and it was wild thinking that you know two years ago we weren't able to do that yeah you know so and now i think it's been very beneficial to bungie to do that and luckily playstation has allowed crossplay on their system um for for definitely now that they're on bungie i think sony kind of sees the importance of that Mm -hmm. um yeah, and now going forward, because I know me and you was talking a little bit, but I'm like, will they be a Destiny three? And that's well, a, that's something that's... that your guys probably will discuss on Tower Casual. Well, I I think tomorrow we're gonna know a little bit more about that. And by the time you hear this on podcast feeds, the Destiny showcase was to, is is happening Tuesday. So, you know, if you care, uh, that's uh happening and i think we're gonna get one step closer to knowing what's gonna happen after the final shape which is the final Mm -hmm. announced expansion for destiny 2 and they've already said there's gonna be destiny after that whether it's destiny 3 whether project goliath which is you know everybody thinks it's like their big kind of answer to bringing all the content forward somehow Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, like all the seasons, all the story missions, all of the content forward like, somehow. Like, kind of like a Smash Brothers Ultimate, in a sense. Everything is there. Well, uh, yeah, I mean... It, from, and, from the two games. And then they'll just somehow call it Destiny, and you'll be able to play through the story, all the raids will be there, all the dungeons, all the missions, all the mm. strikes and stuff, and, you know... That's the rumor. That's, that's a lot of content. It is. Know? And and I think if they go into Destiny 3, and we're going to get back into Nintendo stuff, uh, I think if they ever announce Destiny 3, I'll definitely be there because I do want to 
I, I want to go forth with the first part of the story like they did with Destiny 2. When, when it first came out, whatever that story was. I'm excited to see where this game goes in the future. Well, with Destiny 3. Um, with the campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, And maybe we'll finally get a new class. Well, I, that we've, gotten, I don't we've gotten new subclasses already. Like We got Stasis, which is the ice ability... Uh, there's some stuff that was spoiled. I don't want to spoil it for people, but there's been mm-hmm. new things spoiled. Uh, and so I just, uh, we're not going to get another class, right? Like Hunter, Warlock, Titan. But I think you're going to see a lot of evolution in subclasses, mm-hmm. uh, light and darkness powers, uh, the way weapons and armor interact with these classes is already a thing. Uh, the way they've changed how they work with aspects and uh, really diving deep in customization for these classes is just, it's wild now. It's so much different than when Destiny 2 started. It's so funny when you say light and dark, darkness. It, Metro Prior 2 Echoes always comes to mind when we say <laughs> light and dark in first person shooters uh, because of how that mechanic works and everything. Um, but, uh, I'm going to do my best to try to watch uh, the broadcast. Um, and um, I, everybody just in the Tower Casual uh, this week. Um, so you guys can hear more of it. Hear Corey and Josh and the crew's thoughts. I know they are, they have a recorded discussion about it. Yeah. Um, Josh, Josh, I might be on it. I might not. Depends on when my break at work is. And, how much time I can, you know, get away with it. But I, I probably won't be there. Uh, Josh and our friend A1 Johnny and Nerd Generalists are all going to have a discussion on Tuesday. And then I'll have my thoughts on Thursday's episode. So new, freshly redesigned episode. <laughs> yes. Please, Nintendo, do not throw a... Yeah, we got a Nintendo Direct that's happening. I'm going to be like, Corey. <laughs> I'll just be... I, I, yeah. I would literally be like, Corey. Uh, when you get home on <laughs> Wednesday, uh, we have to call, we have to record. <laughs> mm, yeah, we have to we have to do do a Doom episode where with the director <laughs> it was over with. We had to and just like let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, uh, about that. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, but anything else, uh, Corey? Um, not really. I. <laughs> So I re-downloaded Fortnite, actually, because of the Destiny crossover that's supposedly coming. Uh-huh. And I played, like, one round of it, and I'm like, mm, I wish I liked this game. <laughs> I like what the <laughs> game does, and I will buy the Destiny stuff in it if it happens. But I just, it's such a foreign concept to me, this game. And not that it's, like, a bad game or anything, because I don't think Fortnite's bad at all. I actually think it's pretty cool. But, like... Man, it's a good thing that this is the game. This is not the game I chose to be invested in because there are so many characters and skins. Like Indiana Jones and Darth Vader are in this game, and they're fighting Goku and uh, Master Chief and Kratos. And man, what a weird game! You can go in, wield a lightsaber with Master Chief, murder Kratos on your Nintendo Switch. Just. Think about that for a second. <laughs> it's 
just wild. Yeah, everybody said it's the new Smash Brothers Ultimate. It is. Like, I mean, it's... it is. It's like, in in a way, it's just like what you know. Okay, Smash is full of classic Nintendo characters that we all love, but like Fortnite is literally everything else at this point. You know, it's it's crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. Well, um, everybody. I have been playing more Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and the story that I've... So I realized that I think I got two more chapters on it. Um, Find out how many chapters there, that it was. Um, I'm not still doing side... I'm still doing side stuff before I even push into going all in this game. My goodness. The story has gotten bunkers. But it's a good bunkers. I hear there's a spot in the game where it gets wild. Oh yes, chapter chapter four alone. If you if you were not to do side quests or anything and just go from story points with chapter four alone, that's game of the year material already. And it's just like oh, I can't believe what they did and what they showcased. Like. They have a gallery in the game where you could go watch the cutscenes and everything. And if you just go back and you watch them, you would be like, this is insane. But this is so good and well done. And I I literally feel like after watching this, oh, Breath of the Wild 2 is going to have to have a cinematic story. I mean, yes, it's still going to be open world and everything, but they have to have some story beats in this game because I think Anuma and the team, whatever they're going to try to tell, with the help of Monolith Soft, but definitely before Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I could see Breath of the Wild 2 going beyond our expectations with this. You know, of course, we could go out and find the story and everything, but I think if the story is going to be like a big focal point, for uh, Breath of the Wild 2, people who have played Xenoblade Chronicles 3 are definitely going to watch it. Definitely going to go look for it. Because, man, Breath of the Wild 2, I hope it has some fight scenes like they have in Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Because it is jaw-dropping amazing. And I, I, it's just, it's really hard to describe without spoiling anything but everybody just like but people are just like man chapter this chapter this um and a lot of people just like i cannot play more of this game because all of these side quests that come on because the side quests they do help with you as a character um but it also helps you get stronger to uh get through most of the game uh and everything and it actually explains a lot of um, the characters that you're going to meet and that's going to help you to fight. Like, it, they really did nice with the side missions. They they are important to the story, too. So, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, it literally is up there for Game of the Year now, for me. Now, I got to see how Splatoon 3 and Bayonetta 3 does, but... It, it it knocked Kirby down to second position for Game of the Year nomination for me, with that taking the top spot. I haven't played Elden Ring. Uh, I've been. I, Dude, I have I, though. Look, the only game I think I've played that's come out this year is 
Fire Emblem Warriors. Okay, so I don't even Which know what's come out this year. I've been so like just I I I just haven't cared about the games that are coming out this year, you know? And I mean that's gonna change in a couple weeks, right? With mm-hmm. you know, some games, but like I I just I didn't care for uh Arceus, right? Uh let's see what came Arceus out in February. What came out was in February for Switch? Uh, not the uh, Kingdom Hearts g- garbage. Uh, not that Kingdom Hearts is garbage. The cloud versions are garbage. Uh, nothing really came out there. Right, because Horizon and Elden Ring was the big ones for mm-hmm. February. Yeah. Um, March was Kirby. Kirby, which is a great, a really great game. That's what everybody keeps telling me. Uh, April was what MLB, Star Wars, Lego Star Wars, Switch Sports. Like Switch Sports wasn't very good. Uh, May was. I'm trying to think here. See, yeah, like I, I, there was just nothing. Dragon Quest Builders. No, that's. I know iOS. June. I know June was Mario. June was Strikers. Strikers. Sunbreak. Sunbreak. July was Xenoblade and Fire Emblem. Yeah. Uh, nothing this month besides Turtles. Yeah. Uh, well, Shredder's Revenge is also in July, but that's like not Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, you know, I mean, there's, there's just like hasn't been anything really exciting. Like, <laughs> I'm really excited for NBA 2K23. <laughs> On the day that Splatoon <laughs> three comes out, can I can I tell you a lot of folks are somehow preparing to do Luigi's Mansion three this October. Like mean? people, people really want to go back to playing Luigi's Mansion three because they missed oh. it. Well, I'm just like, oh, okay, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's well deserved for people to revisit. Uh, yeah, which is weird. That that and Mario Kart are the only. Nintendo first party digital versions of games that I own. Um, but besides some of the smaller stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like the Fire Emblem and the one Detective Agency one. Fire Emblem's besides, not small, dude. I don't know why you the small games the NES, like Fire Emblem. Well, it was the NES <laughs> ones that came out, the Femcom ones. Oh, that those ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you uh, meant like, <laughs> like Fire oh, Emblem no, no, Three no. Houses. The, the or was? Oh, no. Heck no. Man, goodness. I swear, Corey, when we was talking about uh, our, we had a, a special pass about GameCube, mm-hmm. and we brought up for that Fire Emblem, and people started posting pictures of Awakening. I'm like, man, I kind of would play if I don't know. I think if they remade Awakening just to make it, I mean, still kept the core of what it is, and let Tecmo or whoever is working with them to. Um, make it a bigger game, like three houses. Uh, so like new, like new animation, new character designs. You know, like really give it a bigger production. I I will I will ha- I will go for a Fire Emblem Awakening remake on Switch. Mm-hmm. I know that's crazy to ask, because uh, Awakening is perfect for for what it is. But I I. That's a game that I'm like, I need a Switch version of this. I mean, I think you're going to see, I think you would see a remake of like one of the first games mm-hmm. before you'd see one of the 3DS games, right? Like, 
I don't know. Remember, I mean, remember that when they were talking about Fire Emblem Fates coming over at some point? Yes. As a remake, which I could totally see in the future. Uh, I don't know. I still want the pirate one that we never got. So we have high hopes. And last but not least, uh, Fire Team Elite for Elias. Um, just been working on that, getting the, my healer character up in levels and their weapons before um, I try to do another class and get that up. Um, but that that's pretty much it. I actually took Tomb Raider, uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider off and some other games. And it's, there's nothing wrong with it or anything. I have beaten it already and everything. Um, it was just that I, I'm done playing this. Uh, I am trying to play Crisis, though. The first game on uh, Series X, so I just got to return back to it. Um, yeah, that's gonna be it for Play with Power, everybody. Uh, it's time for Femi News. Corey, take it away. All right, let me get this timestamp here real quick. Do, 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 do. All right, so our first story is a pretty big one, and then we'll just kind of run through the last few. Uh, so. The big story last week after we recorded was that Embracer Group, the, uh, I guess, the company slash conglomerate that owns a bunch of things that you know, like THQ Nordic and Deep Silver and stuff like that, and they just bought Crystal Dynamics and IDOS Montreal, all the Western studios from Square Enix, they bought gearbox last year so they they own a lot that you might know they just they're putting out saints row this week uh that that big huge group uh purchased a lot of a lot of ip a lot of companies and uh so i'm just going to read this article from tom warren over at the verge he does a lot of great articles over there i know we don't really talk about the verge much but uh, because Tom Warren usually does stuff on like Xbox and Destiny and you know that kind of stuff. So, uh, and, uh, uh, <coughs> wow, it's okay, everybody. Promise. Embracer Group has embarked on an acquisition spree today that includes limited run games, Tripwire Interactive, and IP rights to The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. There are five acquisitions in total today alongside a sixth undisclosed deal for a company in the PC and console gaming space. The Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit rights means that Embracer now has control over movies, video games, board games, merchandising, stage productions, and even theme park rights for the Tolkien fantasy franchises. This includes Amazon's very big and very expensive take on the Lord of the Rings that will debut on Prime Video on September 2nd. Uh, Embracer notes that it could even explore additional movies based on iconic characters such as Gandalf, Aragorn, Gollum, Ga- Galadriel, Gal- Galadriel. Sorry, Galadriel. I'm not a Lord of the Rings person. I don't care. So if I mispronounce any of these names, you are going to have to forgive me. Uh, Eowyn and other characters from the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, Embracer is a huge publishing group that recently acquired big names like Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, uh, and Thief, and already operates more than 100 studios, including Borderlands developer Gearbox, Saber Interactive, and THQ Nordic. 
Saudi Arabia recently bought a billion-dollar stake in Embracer, around 8% of the company's shares. Oh, that's concerning in a lot of different ways, but but we're not going to talk about that here today. Uh, Embracer... Embracer's addition of limited run games opens the door to more physical games across its studios and games as limited run is well known for collector's editions and it's often enables smaller developers to be able to create physical copies of their games. Dripwire is known for Killing Floor, Maneater, and Rising Storm. The huge publishing group also announced today that the acquisition of home karaoke system Singtrix and teardown developer Tuxedo Labs. Uh, Embracer has quickly has quietly bleh, Embracer has been quietly building its giant publishing group, and it owns also it also owns comics and entertainment brand Dark Horse. "Quote: I am pleased to welcome an amazing group of entrepreneur-led companies to the Embracer family, and to extend our portfolio with some f- truly remarkable IPs and franchises, including Lord of the Rings," says Embracer's C- uh, co-founder and CEO Lars. Wing of Wing of Fours in a statement, uh, quote, and encourage it is encouraging that our group has become a natural and preferred buyer of creative, growing and profitable companies within gaming and entertainment. The five acquisitions announced today are around five hundred and seventy-seven million dollars uh, in total upfront costs, and there there's even a sixth secret purchase that Embracer isn't disclosing yet. Embracer has entered into an agreement to acquire another company within PC and console gaming that for commercial reasons is not disclosed today. Explains the financial filing. The purchase price for this undisclosed acquisition is in the range of being among either the third or fourth high, uh, largest of the transactions. Uh, so, Definitely not epic. <laughs> uh, Embracer's uh, buying spree comes months after its deal to acquire Square Enix's three major Western game studios and amid huge acquisitions in the game industry. Sony acquired Destiny developer Bungie for $3.6 billion and Take-Two spent $12.7 billion on Farmville maker Zynga. Microsoft is also in the process of its giant Activision Blizzard acquisition for $68.7 billion. Uh, which the, which uh, Saudi Arabia approved for Microsoft by uh, an Activision. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack here. Um, Embracer is growing and growing and growing. Uh, they did say that they have uh, lost a ton of money during the last quarter or year or something. Uh, they've lost a ton of money because they're not nothing they're not outputting anything they're just acquiring and acquiring and acquiring um i think a lot of people see this as very concerning you know i mean i think everybody just is concerned that everybody is buying everything right now right Mm -hmm. uh embracer group has kind of just come out of nowhere really in the last couple years and has just acquired so much you know and I think some people think it's concerning. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts on this, Ed? What are your thoughts on Embracer? So, kind of, especially like limited run games. I know a lot of people were concerned specifically for them because they've kind of been like the underdog, if you will. Like they're like scrappy and doing good for the indie community, and you know what I mean. So the limited run games one, I thought I really thought this was a joke. First of all, 
Uh, because I'm just like, why would they like li- really limited run? Like, and then when everything came to fruition that it was happening, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And it kind of turned everything around about limited run because yes, they do offer these physical games for uh, small indies, but they take forever to produce and get out to people. Um, it is way after a game is out. And sometimes you're going to be waiting a year or even a year and a half to get that game that was originally offered and everything. So you don't, I'm not saying that you don't, you won't get day and date stuff, but you don't really get a game into almost a year after that uh, original digital version has came out. Like uh, my Streets of Rage 4, like if I didn't buy the game uh, digitally on my Switch, I wouldn't be able to play Streets of Rage 4 if I wanted to do it physically. I would have been able to play it to that following April of of that year. You know, way after it came out and the DLC was available. Uh, So some people saying that Limited Run has kind of been doing some shady stuff. I would have to research more about that. Uh, but this is good. If this helps limited runs be able to produce more copies of games and get them out on in a respectable or reasonable time, that's great. Um, as for like, yes, they're spending all of this money, but the biggest one to me is still Crystal Dynamics. Everything else just feels so small. Uh, and well, unknown. I think Lord of the Rings is the biggest thing. I- I'm talking about in a gaming sense like a gaming company um, that I know of. The Lord of the Rings one was very weird because I was wondering, like, how do they, do they pay that money to JRR? Well, I think, I mean, they, so let me find the story. I, uh, who did Embracer buy? Because that's, because that's what I'm wondering. I'm just like, they don't own none of the literary works. They own everything that's uh, that surrounds it. Like you said, TV, movie, merchandise. They own all of those rights to license out. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is from Deadline. I'm trying to find how like what like who they acquired it from because they acquired it from a company that already owned this. Okay. So about halfway down in a statement, uh, Marty Glick, COO. Uh, of the Saul Zantz company said we at the Zantz company have had the honor over the past half century of stewarding the Tolkien rights so that Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit uh, fans worldwide could enjoy award-winning epic films, challenging video games and first rate theater and merchandise of every variety. We cannot be more thrilled that this, that it is Embracer now taking up the responsibility and we are confident their group will take it to new heights and dimensions while maintaining homage to the spirit of uh, these great literary works. Uh, Embracer's operative group, uh, (laughs) Osmodi Group, uh, has a long-standing relationship with Tolkien IP, having published Lord of the Rings board game over 20 years ago, uh, as well as producing Lord of the Rings card game. Uh... Key upcoming work set in Middle Earth, which in which Middle Earth Enterprises has financial interests, including Amazon's highly anticipated Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, uh, as well as Warner Brothers animated movie Lord of the Rings, The War for Rearim, set for release in 2024. Uh, there's also an EA mobile game. 
So they acquired it from the Zantz company, but it doesn't say for how much. Uh, but this is by far the big, their biggest acquisition. Yeah. Uh, so basically everything outside of just basic book selling is what they own now. So, I mean, they don't own the rights to the books. That's still the Tolkien estate and everything. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure the Tolkien estate gets a pretty chunk out of all this stuff happening too. But uh, yeah, this is wild, man. Because he's still writing the books, right? He's he's think... dead. Dude, he's been dead for like 40 years. Why did I think he his was son, still alive? His son was doing stuff. Uh, you know, his he, so he died in 1973. Uh, and then his son took over. And now I think the grandson has taken over at this point. I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. But I know the estate is run by some blood relative. Uh, you know what I was thinking of? Game of Thrones. Oh, That's why. You're thinking of George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, who runs the Tolkien? <laughs> if, uh, dude, if you were to, out of the 500 things we were going to talk about tonight, Lord of the Rings was not one of them that we were going to talk about. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, the Tolkien estate. Think... Sorry, who is the head of the Tolkien estate? Current exe- uh, ex- executors of the estate include uh, uh, Bailey Tolkien and Christopher's nephew, uh, Michael George Tolkien. So the, I think these are the grandkids run the Tolkien estate. It seems like. Okay. So, yeah, I, I really don't know what to think about all this, Ed. I mean... I know that acquisitions are big right now and I know all the, everybody on Twitter just had an instant negative reaction. It just, it just feels like the embracer group is like acquiring all this stuff and doesn't really know what to do with all of it. You know what I mean? Like, I I mean, saints row was kind of like a good first step, but it seems like that game is not great. And they've been putting out a lot of like single and double a, re-releases which have all been pretty mm-hmm. good right like the darksiders stuff which is a franchise i love darksiders uh they've put out uh kingdoms of amalur re-reckoning uh red Saber faction Hunter. all the saints row remasters uh so that star wars game uh they announced that saber interactive is going to be doing it now. yeah yeah they own uh aspire and saber uh which good on saber i suppose for taking up that so i don't know man they they own a lot they kind of have i think they said they have 12 different verticals under the embracer group that do separate things Mm -hmm. uh so So, i don't know it's a lot i think i I think uh, i know people just like where they it may be a monopoly but i'm like with the embracer group i think for most of them, it's like smarter independent businesses like Crystal Dynamics and uh, uh, goodness, what was the THQ in a sense? Um, like those are two are on a different level because they've been in the games industry for years and it feels like everything else is kind of like a little bit smarter. Like Tripwire, we don't really talk about Tripwire in a sense, you know. Um, I don't even know who Tripwire is. But Man Eater is the one that oh, is with the right. shark. Okay, you're, you're right. I do know who. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was just like. Uh. But I, but I, but I, but I get your I, Corey. I know what you 
me by saying that a lot of people wouldn't know who they are because they don't play a lot of people don't play or their games or they're still like in this PC indie space uh that they haven't like been here from years like like THQ has been and Crystal Dynamics has been you know uh they've been in the game in the video game industry for years then Tripwire hasn't really been like that so I I understand what Embracer Group is doing, getting these smaller companies, you know, still, you know, paying a good penny in their thing because they know they're going to reap the rewards if these games are good and people buy them, as, you know, and everything. Like, we'll see how the, we'll see how the sales of Saints Row does. We'll see how uh, that Star Wars game when the final come out. We'll see how merchandising and everything, the price points when it comes out, how people will support that. Because a lot of people who are into Lord of the Rings already don't even know who their Embracer group is, in in fact. And so I think they'll probably just be like, oh, I, oh, they got the rights? Okay, I'm not thinking about the rights. I'm thinking of this cool statue that they just put out. Let me acquire that. Yeah. You know? Um, um, so I, here, oh, so I'm just going to read... I'm just going to read some of the games that Embracer Group owns right now. Okay. Uh, just some of the big ones. Nintendo Life has a great breakdown, and so does uh, Push Square. has a great breakdown of what they what video game series they own now. So, uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, The Ascent, uh, uh, Satisfactory, which is a pretty popular PC game, The Gianna Sisters, Destroy All Humans, Deep Rock Galactic, uh, Flat Out, Wreckfest, Kingdom Come Deliverance, uh, Risen, Elix, Mo- uh, MotoGP, uh, Darksiders, Remnant from the Acid, <laughs> Remnant from the Ashes. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Slip. Uh, uh, Duke Nukem, SnowRunner, Zen Pinball, Man Eater, The Metro series, uh, Trek to Yomi, which is an indie game that just kind of came out, I think. Uh, Borderlands, Brother in Arms, Homeworld, Homefront, Road 96, Torchlight, Hob, Neverwinter, Gex, Tomb Raider, Legacy of Kane, Deus Ex, Thief, Alone in the Dark, uh, which I think they just revealed, right? Uh, this is yeah. The Police, which is that strategy game that, that Jesse liked a long time ago. Uh, Saints Row, Dead Island, De Blob, Red Faction, Time, Slimmer, uh, Time Splitters, uh, MX versus ATV, Valheim, so those are, I mean, those are the IP that they own in terms of video games. There's some pretty big IP in there. Are they the biggest IP? No. I mean, I, I think Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, and Borderlands are probably their biggest IP. Besides, I mean, yeah. obviously besides Lord of the Rings. But, like, in terms of what pe- when people think of video games, those are probably their biggest ones. Uh, thinking of Dark Horse Comics, like, they own 300... Uh, Aeon Flux, Aliens, Colonial Marines, uh, Alien vs. Predator, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Conan, Critical Role, uh, Hellboy, they own the comic rights to Indiana Jones, James Bond, uh, Tarzan, Sin City, uh, Serenity, so, I mean, The Terminator, Time Cop, Umbrella Academy, Xena Warrior Princess, The Mask, uh, you know, so the, <laughs> these are very 
popular <laughs> things that they now own. So, I mean, for me, it's just like, I get acquisitions are a bad thing. And I know people like to complain on the internet, but I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really care. I don't care. But I'm, I'm fine with stuff being, uh, being acquired. My thing is make sure you put out the product. Yeah, because you go to all of these studios, but I want to see results of the product coming from these studios. Yeah, my thing is 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 like okay, you acquired all these IP, right? And you haven't put anything out. I want to see like the quality of your products being put out. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, okay, uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands uh, was kind of their first kind of. I know that was already in development when they when it was acquired, but their names on it, right? So that game. Got great reviews. Uh, I don't know how well it sold, but it got great reviews. Saints Row is really the first product of theirs, right? That is a AAA, full blown, big budget game, and people are not enjoying it. You know, people aren't, according to the internet, people aren't enjoying it. Now, I haven't played it yet. I'm actually really looking forward to playing it at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as of right now, people aren't enjoying it, and that's worrisome for stuff that I do like, like Tomb Raider. You know, not that uh, Crystal Dynamics and IDOS Montreal are going to do bad jobs on these games because we know the quality of their work. But like, yes, if Embracer Group doesn't know how to manage their studios and they try to force them to put out an unfinished product, then yeah, I'm worried. You know, so. We'll see. I mean, I mean, we have years before we really know what's going to happen with all these IP, right? Years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do they own? They don't own Techland, right? No. Okay. Uh, no. No. Techland is okay. independent. I think still. Because I was I was looking at Dying Light too, and I'm just like, man, was it? No, but they own Dead Island. Which is coming out, which Techland did the first Dead Island. But so they, I'm assuming someone else is doing the second one. Yeah, it's uh, Dam Buster, which is the studio that finished Homefront the Revolution. Okay. Which, <laughs> some reason I bought for $3 like six months ago on a sale and I never played it because it's <laughs> Homefront the Revolution. And I just was like, well, $3, why not? <laughs> exactly. Here's some free money. So, yeah, I I just, I said it with Microsoft, uh, I definitely said it a lot with Microsoft, you require all of these companies, I want to see the product that comes out for it. And I understand delays are going to happen, I understand that you want your game to be polished and, you know, put out and marketed well, but it has to, I mean, it really has to matter because you got to make return on that investment. And everything. And I know it's easier for Microsoft to have it because they got Game Pass. But like with the Embracer group, it's just like you guys are investing in all of these companies that you bought. You guys are expecting that these companies put out product that they're going to make money off of and everything. Yeah. Especially especially the way that budget is going to be handled for like Series X and PS5 games. Um it may get to it may get to a point where Embracer has to look at Nintendo and be like, we need to get some of your game, some whether it's a I new IP or it's a small idea, whatever we need to do, 
if we get our game on Nintendo Switch and this can make us some money back, we want you guys to do it. Well, it's not even about that. It's just it, these games need to start coming out and they need to be. They just they just need to be. You know, quality. And I don't care if it's an indie game, if it's a AAA game, if it's somewhere in between. They just need to start. They own IP people love. People love Saints Row. How many people are so disappointed that Saints Row is not good? You know, how many people are going to be disappointed when the next Red Faction is like mediocre or Darksiders 4 if it's like mediocre? Although I think a lot of people thought 2 and 3 were mediocre. Uh, I disagree. I do too. I, I unapologetically love Darksiders the way that I think I unapologetically like Outriders. Uh, which, by the way, Outriders, awesome. Uh, but, anyways, I don't really have anything else to say about the acquisition. I hope they know what they're doing is really all I can say because as of right Same. now, it's questionable. At Same. best, I mean, thank you for this news story. I'm like for helping these little small businesses out, but. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's just... like they buy, they bought these these companies, like these smaller companies. And I know we need to move on. I know there's uh, yeah. we we're kind of running in circles right now. But like, I don't think Limited Run really needed help. And I mean, if they get bigger budgets to do bigger things for these smaller titles, that's great. But you know, I think that limited run was fine the way they were. Uh, but also if someone came in here and offered me, you know, $30 million for boss rush, I'd probably sell it to them. You know, <laughs> we'd split it, what, six, seven ways and be done with it for the leaders and stuff. So whatever, but that's, that's, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of being, Here's, here's the thing. At the end of the day, as long as as long as the next Tomb Raider game is good, as long as the next Darksiders game is good, and things that I care about are quality, then I'm okay with it. Is it yeah. worrisome that everybody's acquiring everything? Sure it is. But, you know, Microsoft's out there going to go acquire somebody else. Sony's out there acquiring more studios. Everybody's acquiring somebody. Uh I don't know if Embracer is as worrisome as someone like Tencent or the Saudi government, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see. I don't and, even know it, where the Embracer group is based out of. Where are they even and, based out of? And I would say Nintendo has been, you know, yes, they have been acquiring business also, but they have been smart about what they've been doing, you know, uh, and with it. And not and sweet, you know, okay. I I can't wait to see yeah I just can't wait to see what comes out for them and I'm gonna leave it at that so mm-hmm. Corey you ready to move on to the next story <laughs> yeah uh, Embracer Group is based out of Sweden so I don't, I don't know what that means but anyways I mean I know Sweden's a country but I I just don't know if that has any ramifications the way something like a big big company from China coming in and steamrolling everybody or <laughs> right uh the Saudi government buying parts of companies. Although I guess it is worth mentioning that the Saudi government does own 5% of Nintendo as well. So anyways, enough 
sadness. New Pokemon revealed for Scarlet and Violet at World Championships, Ed. New Pokemon. Your face is covering my timestamps. Ah! Move your face. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, new Pokemon were showed off at the uh, 2022 World Championships for Scarlet and Violet. Uh, this story originally came from Cerebi.net, but I'm reading the Nintendo Life story because uh, the Cerebi font was way too small. Uh, at the closing ceremony of the 2022 Pokemon World Championships, the Pokemon Company president, uh, <laughs> Suni Kazu Ishihara, uh, shared a brand new competitive play video for the upcoming Scarlet and Violet video games. So this is the, I think this is the trading card game, right? The world championship for the trading card game, or is it just for the game itself? Uh, the inc- they, This included the reveal of the new Pokemon uh, Cyclozar. It's a dragon slash normal type and comes with a moves, comes with a move shed tail where it can create a substitute then swap play. Create a substitute, then swap places with a party Pokemon in waiting. Uh, the same trailer also showed off some new items, including a mirror herb uh, and loaded dice, as well as another new move, a Terra Blast. Uh, so there's a trailer. Cerebi.net uh, tweeted out an image of the new Pokemon. It looks like a motorcycle, which is interesting. Uh, looks like you can ride it. Turns into a motorcycle kind of bike thing. Looks cool. This it's a cool looking design. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. New Pokemon. Who who knew new Pokemon were coming to the new iterations of Pokemon? Ah. Oh no. <laughs> so thoughts, Ed. Thoughts on that? That's that's cool that they announced it. Uh, looks like a cool character. I'll definitely be trying to catch her. Uh. And see what it's all about. That's it. Not too much. Yeah. I will be picking up Violet at some point. And uh, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about that as well. Yeah, I'll be giving the double back. (laughs) Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Ed, is July's best selling Switch game in the MPD results. Yes. Uh,. MPD Group has published its sales figures for July in North America, and to no one's surprise, the Switch has had another successful month. The console is once again the top-selling hardware in terms of units sold, and while spending spending is down compared to July 2021 by 10%, sales are beginning to return to 2020 levels. The best-selling game of the Switch in July is Monolith Soft's Xenoblade Chronicles 3, despite only releasing on the 29th of the month. The gigantic JRPG made a real splash at the end of July, and we dubbed it, quote, a masterpiece in our review. This is uh, Nintendo Life. Nintendo Switch Sports has seen a bit of a drop, while Animal Crossing New Horizons has jumped up a few spots. And in terms of new releases, both Live Alive and Digimon Survive also placed in the month's top 10 Switch games. I'm surprised Digimon's on there because they had a hard time getting the physical releases out there. I don't even know if the physical ones are out for Switch. They yet. are because NPD only uh, only reports physical sales. I don't know if that's for third party or not. I guess I don't know that answer for sure. Right, because like for Digimon, 
they were able to get the PlayStation and Xbox version out, but none of the retail stores had had unless they sent a small limited quantity, and then they actually got more stock in, or they actually uh, fixed their production. But yeah, when that game came out, no, not you couldn't even order it on Best Buy for a Switch, or yeah. a Target, or any, like no one just had it unless you, I guess you pre-ordered it at GameStop. I mean, I've seen some physical. Pro- copies that people have posted, but everybody was asking, where did you get it? They were just like, I pre-ordered the game. They're yeah. just, they were just like, they something happened with the Switch production where stores couldn't get it, so uh, that, that one is very iffy with me. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just Nintendo specifically. Uh, maybe third-party games report digital sales I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of top 10 video games, in terms of dollar sales, Nintendo only had two titles on the list. Uh, Elden Ring at number one, Call of Duty Vanguard number two, Madden NFL 22 at number three, which is surprising. Uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl hit number four. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga at number five. Battlefield 2042 at number six. Uh, FIFA 22 at uh, number 7, Far Cry 6 at number 8, Pokemon Legends Arceus at number 9, and Horizon uh, Forbidden West at number 10. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people are going back to uh, buy that game since they missed it during mm-hmm. Elden Ring. Digital sales were not included in the two Nintendo titles. Uh, so... Okay, so here we go. This chart actually tell, answers our question. Uh, f- in terms of dollar sales on Nintendo platforms, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 at number 1, Mario Kart 8 at number 2, Kirby and the Forgotten Land at number 3, Smash Brothers Ultimate at number 4, Animal Crossing New Horizons at number 5, Pokemon Legends Arceus at number 6, Nintendo Switch Sports at number 7, Live Alive at number 8, Digimon Survive at number 9, and Mario Party Superstars at number 10. So they have a little asterisk here that says sales numbers, uh, digital sales numbers not included. And out of that list I just read you on Nintendo platforms, the only one without an asterisk is Digimon Survive. So Bandai Namco does report digital sales for that. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's your sales numbers. Not surprised that Xenoblade uh, was number one for Nintendo. Although, it is surprising. This doesn't make sense, though. Uh, Because Xenoblade is number one on July's list for Nintendo, but it's not on the top ten for overall. But Pokemon Arceus and Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are? Okay, so um, it's because of, I think... Um, it was kind of it's very weird because it ended up on Nintendo's list uh, due to the fact that it was only released within two days. So they was reported only two days. Oh, because sales. they stopped reporting numbers on the top ten for the other consoles on the twenty fifth, and this came out on the 29th. Okay, and then the console ones end at the end of the month. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I just answered both my dumb questions at the same time. 
man, I'm slacking, Ed. My my knowledge of no, this stuff no, is just you're, slacking. You're, you are educating us. I'm educating myself by retiring right now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, good sales numbers. Uh, Xenoblade, not surprising. Everybody loves it. Ed's loving it. So yes, I can't believe Mario Kart Eight is still number two. I know that's insane. That's yeah. That's that's just stupid. Because <laughs> if you could do, because just think about it. Let's take Xenoblade Chronicles Three just out of the equation. Mario Kart Eight would still be number one, and uh-huh. Kirby beat uh Kirby beat Animal Crossing. That's wow. S well, S can't believe Smash is still selling it also. Yeah. Like I, like so Super Mario Odyssey uh and the Legends of the Breath of the Wild has kind of been out of the MPD. But I think sometimes it's been coming and going. And I think it's because it just says top ten. I think Odyssey and Breath of the Wild probably would be at lower uh lower if they did a top twenty. But I think though I think once the new game, I think Breath of the Wild two comes, I think once they get announced, I feel like Breath of the Wild one is going to jump back into the top ten. Where yeah. that I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, Ed, our last story is about Sega and movies. Sega. <laughs> uh, Sega has announced Space Channel Five and Comic Zones movies. Oh, geez, this is going to be a disaster. Sega has had so much success with the Sonic the Hedgehog movies that it has already locked in the third one and confirmed a separate television series starring Knuckles. If this wasn't enough, it's now officially confirmed that there will be Space Channel 5 and Comic Zones adaptations. Quote, Sega is partnering with Picture Start to produce film adaptations of Space Channel 5 and Comic Zone. Uh, The tweet says Space Divas, comic panels, and the movies. Which which parts of these Sega gems are you most excited to see played out on the big screen? Uh, The music game Space Channel 5 starring Ooh La La uh, uh, started out in 1999 on the Dreamcast and even got a GBA version in 2003. You might also know the character from her appearance in other games such as Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing. As for Comic Zone, you can get a history lesson via Switch Online plus expansion pack uh, Genesis Library. It's a beat-em-up uh, released on the system in 1995. Speaking of beating-ups, there are also reports of a Streets of Rage movie in development uh, helmed by John Wick creator. Oh, no. This just sounds bad. Um, so, yeah, these are happening. Good on you, I guess. I mean, we already talked about movies at the top of the show, but yeah, man, this is just so. Just quickly, and then we go. We'll get. We'll move on. I think Space Channel Five is getting a re-release. I think it'll be on everything. If not this, it possibility the possibility of Dreamcast coming to Switch will happen and this will be one of the first games before the movie comes out I think Comic Zone yes they'll be saying of course you can play it on Genesis a special pass um, but I think Sega and .mu is doing a remake of Comic Zone well didn't they already remake it for Xbox because I think it's backwards compatible 
No, there's an X- no, there's an Xbox something for Comic Zone. Yes, there's an Xbox Live Arcade version of Comic Zone. They cannot be. Did no, they ever do is. one? I think I own it for some reason. Uh, hold on. I think it was a Games with Gold actually at some point. Uh, hold on. It's it's on Xbox. I know it is. Comics Zone Xbox. So uh, Sega Genesis. Yep. Nintendo buy Switch, Comic Game Zone Boy. on Xbox. It's four ninety nine. But Xbox. it's the old one, right? Yeah, I mean it's the it's it's the uh looks like the Genesis version, but like upresed. Okay, I'm I'm talking about almost like a re like. Oh, oh the, I mean, this se- this definitely seems like something that uh, either WayForward or .emu would do at some point. Tri- yeah, that- tribute games, maybe. Whoever did Streets of Rage seems like this would be the next logical. Dot, dot .emu did it. So, yeah, because that's what I'm just like. Okay, they're going to if they're bringing Comic Zone, and no one knows about Comic Zone. They're gonna remake this, or they're gonna reintroduce this game for a new audience. I'm surprised uh, they didn't go with Eternal Champions, but I think that has a history of its own uh, with it. Space Channel Five is going to be interesting. Uh, I wonder if they're going to get Miz- Mizuguchi uh, for it, the creator of, of Space Channel Five. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, and if. Will Michael Jackson play a part in it? Uh, I don't think so. That be, but it, that would be interesting. But um, I would go and watch these movies. I think Comic Zone probably will be animated. Uh, Space Shuttle Five, they may get like Margaret Robbie to do her, or uh, I'll have to see what the cast is going to be because I think you're going to need. A singer and a dancer. No, everybody, it's not going to be Britney Spears, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I'd be interested. Why, why would it be Britney Spears? It's such a that's such an odd choice. I, I don't know. I just because she had her Crossroads movie that was like uh, fifteen years ago. I know that, but in case somebody be like, "Oh, we want Britney oh Spears gosh, to play," I, man. It's gonna be someone like. I'm surprised that you know. knew it's, it's been that long. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, you had a lot more to say on that than I anticipated, so I oh. marked the timestamp for docked mode. Now I have to change it because you put <laughs> six more minutes. Oh, uh, sorry. I don't have anything else to say. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see what they do with it. So. Hmm. Anyways, well, Ed, are we gonna do doc mode, or are we just gonna go straight to question block? Uh, let's we could do doc mode. Doc mode won't be too too long or anything. Uh, Claire, right, it's time for a doc mode. Uh, summer gaming is coming to a close, and we're prepared for a big fall schedule. Now, if you haven't watched our Nintendo Expansion Pass episodes about the current lineup, go check it out, and you could get early access by becoming a Patreon member for Boss Rush. So for this episode, Doc Mo, I asked the question, 
is fall the best time for Nintendo or is it the busiest? Where and why do big name titles drop around this time? Should we embrace it or want Nintendo to have a season of small releases to catch up on past titles? You ready to leave Black Ages? Let's go! So yes, I did ask a lot of questions, but Corey, like, is this the... Do you think throughout all of Nintendo's releases uh, for even their past systems that fall is the best time for them? Or is it... I mean, or do you feel like recently it's just become so busy? I mean, I think the fall is just... It's just the... <laughs> It's like an archaic kind of time frame where you want to get your games out right before Christmas, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, now we just see releases year-round from Nintendo, right? And so whether they're big, small, whatever, uh, it's just... I mean, they're releasing <laughs> arguably their smallest game in October, right? Right in the middle of craziness with Bayonetta 3, right? I mean... Yes, I know to Nintendo fans, Bayonetta three is exciting, but to everybody else, it's. I would argue Bayonetta is their smallest title this fall. Uh, I mean, you have Splatoon, you have Mario Rabbids, you have Bayonetta, you have Pokemon, right? And you know, Advance Wars has been rumored to be somewhere within the next six months ish. So you have all that. I'm not actually sure if it's busy. I just think that Nintendo has just is cranking out games faster than uh, they know what to do with. So they just mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> are putting them out. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I don't think it's busy. I think Nintendo is just very methodical. And this, if you're going to put a bunch of games out in the fall, this is the fall to do it because nobody else has anything coming out except for, God of War, which it seems like just the general kind of whatever around that game just doesn't seem like people are hot on it yet. And I don't know if it's just because it's too far away or we haven't really seen a full trailer. Which I think the full, I think a full trailer, like a, a full trailer and a breakdown. Like we haven't gotten the state of play about yeah, it. Yeah, which I think in if it, if it comes out in November, I think the state of play will happen sometime in September, and mm-hmm. they'll show stuff and they'll show a big boss battle and they'll show Kratos yelling and uh, Atreus shoots a deer with a bow and everybody will be excited. Uh, hot take, everybody. God of War is going to sell ten million units. I don't care. Uh, I care. I mean, I care, but I. I don't care that everybody's crapping on the game right now, but uh, you know, I, there's nothing else really coming out. What Gotham Knights? You think Nintendo's afraid of Gotham Knights? Uh, no, sorry. Uh, so yeah, I mean, everything has to compete with Pokemon, right? I think. I mean, mm-hmm. the two biggest games right now outside of Nintendo are Modern Warfare Two and God of War. Outside of those games, which are very different games from the audience that Nintendo is aiming at, Nintendo's going to own the fall. They're just going to own the fall, you know? Yes. Uh, so I think Nintendo is just dropping their, their bombs right now because they want Switch to be successful, and you're going to drop them when you think it's best, and this is where they think it's best. Yeah. I think fall is kind of their... A bit busiest. Uh, I think recently now, definitely with Switch, the way that it went from like 2017 and and up, it's just like you know, Switch was Nintendo was consistent with a lot of their releases, 
for games. And then you have the craziness in September, which is kind of still, it's a mix of, of the end of summer and beginning of fall. Where 2019, you just had like a ton of games drop just within that, in that month. And that was like almost $300 worth of games to get, you know. Um, and I think Nintendo was smart because they, I think they want to make this the busiest. So when people get ready for their Christmas shopping or Hanukkah shopping or Kwanzaa or whatever they celebrate for the holiday season, um, there's a lot of games that you can give away as gifts and everything. And so why not have a really big selection in the fall before it goes to a, a quiet winter uh, and transition to that following year? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think releases on Switch in terms of you know the amount of games that are coming out in September mm-hmm. and October specifically are. I mean, there's a lot of games, right? I mean, October has five games alone coming out to Switch that are exciting uh, for yeah. me. You know, September has three for me. So yeah, let's see. I'm I'm pulling up this release calendar real quick here because I want to be accurate. So for me in September, it's gonna be it's gonna be NBA 2K23. It's gonna be Splatoon three, and it's gonna be uh man. Good thing I don't have a PlayStation <laughs> PlayStation five because uh. Valkyrie Elysium is coming to, coming out, and I would play the crap out of that. Uh, but also, Ninja uh, Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge's physical copy comes out on on the thirtieth, as well as Bayonetta three or Bayonetta one physical is coming out on the thirtieth. Mm-hmm. Uh, October has Overwatch two, Near Automata, No Man's Sky. It has. I'm gonna find the rest of them. Uh, them fighting herds, which is that uh, fighting game that a lot of people are really like. Mario plus Rabbids, Persona Five, uh, Bayonetta it's Three. Harvest, so Harvest that I mean is, that's that's just September it? and October, you know. Also, Diofield Dio Chronicles uh, is also in September, which I don't really know if people are excited for that or not. I've heard it's boring. I'm not sure. There's yeah, a demo so of that, right? Yeah, it's a demo. I haven't started though. Mm-hmm. It's on my Switch. It's just I haven't, you know. Uh, but you know, I mean, there's it. there's so much coming out that it's just they. If anybody, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at these games for September and October for other consoles too. I'm like, I didn't even know all this was coming out. Like, I I just haven't been paying attention. You know, mm-hmm. like Two Point Campus is, uh, came out in August. Uh, everybody's loving Cult of the Lamb, apparently. Yeah, which I heard everybody's playing it kind of everywhere else besides Switch. Yeah, I heard the Switch version's pretty bad. Yeah, it's a performance problem with the Switch. I mean, Madden came out last week. Uh, yeah, I thought Madden was out this week. No, I didn't know that Friday. it dropped. I've been playing it a little bit, actually. Uh because if you have Game Pass Ultimate, you get a 10-hour free demo. How is it? I mean, it's Madden. It's still pretty bad. but Because uh, I haven't seen the reviews or anything drop. I mean, it's just... It's it's Madden. 
it feels the same as last year. I want to like it, but it's just not doing it for me. Uh, so what I've been doing is I play the 10 hour, I play the 10 hour, uh, trial, right? Mm-hmm. I'll play a few games online. I'll play around with the franchise mode and then I'll play it when it comes to game pass two weeks before the Super Bowl, you know, and, and that's, that's my Madden now, you know, and, and it's nice because they come to game pass pretty quickly, but it's, uh, I don't know, man. Madden's an odd thing. Uh, but okay. then, but then you come into November and you have Harvestella, which is that weird farming game. Uh, yes. You know, Tactics Ogre Reborn is something that I'm extremely excited about. I'll pick it up. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. You know, so, I mean, Switch has a ton coming out. And then, obviously, you know, the big hit coming out this year, Skull and Bones, is finally coming out. I cannot believe that that game is coming out shocked and it doesn't look interesting at all but that's for another discussion i mean i think i think the concept seems okay yes but the whole it's like i mean it's just pirate it's just the division but pirates it looks like which is fine right like i think theoretically that could be cool but i think it's a little a too little too late for a game as a service especially now with the you know destiny's popularity fortnite's popularity the division is still pretty popular Uh, yeah and yeah i mean i was getting there but you already there's already a popular pirate game called sea of thieves so i don't know this game's got to do something real different to uh be attractive to some people and it's a good like it looks good like it's a pretty game Mm -hmm. but who's it for at this point also i like how they just took the uh (laughs) PUBG font pretty much and used it (laughs) that is the PUBG font and you look at all the menus and stuff dude that is the PUBG font i don't care what they say i don't care if you made it look like spray paint it's the PUBG font Mm -hmm. Well, Corey, I want to ask, do you think we should embrace all of this, or do we want Nintendo to like, have a season where they are releasing a lot of, they are releasing games, but it's more balanced, like, it's held, like, some of the games are held back, like, maybe we need only... Back? I mean, they've they release games all the time, it's not like they're holding back, like, why would they need to hold back? They're selling well, them. Well, I think hold back and the fact that, you know, Give us like maybe two or three main Nintendo first party games and like space them out. Maybe release one in August and then one in October and then one in December. Instead of just hitting it with game, 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 game. I mean they they are spacing them out though. I mean every it's six, every six weeks. Xenoblade was in July. Splatoon mm-hmm. is the second week of September. Then you're not getting another first party game until. Bayonetta at the end of October and then three weeks later you're getting Pokemon which is you know Pokemon so I mean they are spacing them out I just think that I mean I mean as in spacing I mean as instead of like having five or six titles that's going to be from the rest of the year or something like that maybe just cut that in half no because Nintendo always puts out a lot of games you just always used to have to have two consoles to do it 
and most of them were already handheld games. So I don't know. I plus like every Nintendo fan isn't gonna buy every game, you know. Mm-hmm. We're just weird. Nintendo has what five games coming out in the next four months? You think every single person's bought Xenoblade, Splatoon, Bayonetta, Mario Rabbids, and Pokemon? You think every you think everybody's gonna buy those game all those games? I, I think when we look at the NPD, yes. No. You're crazy if you think everybody's gonna buy every game. If 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 those five show up on the NPD, I mean they're gonna show up like the first month, but like, uh uh-huh. they're not gonna have long tails. That's the thing. Splatoon and Pokemon are gonna be the two that have long tails. I don't think Bayonetta is gonna make the NPD. To be honest with you, I think it probably will. Well, I think because it'll be late. Um. It may not make the top twenty, but I think it'll probably end up on the uh, the top ten MPD for October. Because uh, people are interested in buying Bayonetta, I, I think probably if I see more people start getting into it by the end of September or getting ready for it in October, I would be interested to see how that goes at the end, at the end of the month. And everything. Now, and, and I'm not trying to say that uh, they are going to do it or anything, but should they do it? You know, would it? Do you think there ever be a time where Nintendo is releasing too much and they need to slow down uh, because they drop so much within maybe two or three months? Just and this is just the fall season, besides like the winter time. So like September, October, November, in that area. I mean, I don't know. I just, I think, man, I don't know. I don't really know what to. But I think, I think you you did say because the way that they're spacing out every six weeks, there is a big Nintendo title coming out. I mean that that yes, that is good. Um, yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nintendo makes games like Mario Kart and Animal Crossing mm-hmm. so they can publish a game like Bayonetta. It's never yes. going to sell a million copies. It's never going to be the greatest game ever made. But it's like a prestige thing. It's a, it's a game that they can point to and say, hey, we took, you, you know, we took the time and the effort and the energy to fund and publish an M-rated game that it has stylized action has a cool character and this is something that we don't normally do but fans really like the second one so we're gonna give you this third one it's a prestige thing i don't think bayonet is gonna sell a million units i i truly don't why because bayonetta 2 didn't sell a million units so it's 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 a prestige thing it's a niche game that they're just gonna have on their console and it's going to be great. And I think the people who play it are going to love it, but it's, it's not going to sell. <laughs> Bayonetta is a weird one. I, I would definitely will say, um, but I think the popularity of Bayonetta has increased kind of almost like a Xenoblade, 
Xenoblade in the in the fact that the popularity has increased and people because even when Bayonetta was coming to Smash, people were just like, "What really? Oh, that's cool!" Like I don't think it was expected yet, but people were predicting it and they're thinking it happened because it's Nintendo and it's Platinum. Uh, I think in this age or and this time of gaming, I think Bayonetta could hit a million on Switch. Um. I, I, it has the possibility to have that potential to reach it. Um, will it sell? Will it sell it? I think maybe within two weeks or over time it'll hit a million. Uh, but I think we'll see. You know, and I think definitely with Bayonetta not selling that big on Wii U, there was a kind of two stigmas to it that people didn't care about Nintendo. And people were upset that Bayonetta 2 was still on on Wii U, was on the Nintendo platform instead of everything else. You know? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, Nintendo funded the game, so I, I don't know what people want. Uh, I mean, I bet it sells, I bet at the end of the day, when all is said and done, Bayonetta sells 800,000 copies and gets, I bet it gets in the high eights in terms of Metacritic score. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I don't know what Platinum does, but they, you know, I don't, I I don't know what Platinum does at that point. I think, I don't think people are expecting for Bayonetta 3 to be captured the magic of 2. I think people are just excited to see that she's back and people just want to go to see what is Platinum going to bring to the table with her like is it still going to be some zaniness um is there going to be some cool fights and stuff like that i think people are just on they they're excited to be on the ride with bayonetta and everything so yeah we'll see yeah um, i mean don't get me wrong i think people who play bayonetta or into those games are going to love it right but it's not like it's not going to be a system seller and people aren't going to go you know yeah, I don't. Th- I think people don't expect it to be a system seller. I just think definitely with the way that, like the way that we was discussing that Nintendo have games that sold just over a million, you know, um, it just has the potential. I think to hit that spot. Now it, it did. It does depend on on uh, platinum games. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, I think people probably will give this one more of a fair shot. I think the Nintendo community, as big as it is now, in a sense, I think they're willing to give something like Bayonetta 3 a bigger chance to see what it is. And people will go back and play the older games or buy the collection and stuff. Um, I think people just are more willing than they were during the Wii U. With well, it, like, yeah, and because I, there's seven times as many consoles out there <laughs> well yeah so i mean uh yeah we, i think we'll i think we'll just see how things go uh so i think we could actually call that a wrap for doc Mo. i didn't want to make it too long for doc Mo. no it's uh, fine i i i mean nintendo has a lot of great releases and i think they always know when to release a game you know and and Obviously, they held Zelda for some sort of reason, but mm-hmm. I think Zelda is going to be a huge hit next year. And oh yeah, uh, I mean, you look at 
I just I think Nintendo's next year is going to be huge. Too. Yeah. Oh shoot, we still got Retro Prime Four. Now that's the big one. I think everybody is waiting to see how that one turns out and if that's going to do numbers. That that's going to be the interesting one uh, to see. Well, I so. mean, you look at you look at what's coming out next year. It's like already it's the big games are Dead Space Remake, Forspoken, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Alan Wake 2, uh that Avatar game, you know, like uh um Zelda and Forza and Final Fantasy 16 and Final Fantasy 7 yeah. and you know there's so many games next year too already uh <laughs> Suicide Squad I'm just looking at this list for next year Hopefully, it's like giving me a headache. Two comes out next year because that game has to release next year yeah Ninja Theory cannot be pushing that game back any longer you know plus like Stalker got delayed, and Sea of Stars got delayed, and the Star Wars Jedi, uh, Survivor, Starfield, Street Fighter Six. <laughs> There's so many games. Is that Indiana Jones plan for next year too? No, I don't think so. No, because that's Machine Games, right? Yeah. Well, that's early in development, also. So when they revealed it last year, so I would say 2024 at the earliest for that game. So do you think we'll just get an actual like game preview next year? I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, because a, a lot of those games have just went quiet. Yeah, well, I mean, if you don't have anything to show, don't show it. It's fine with me. Mm. Show it when it's ready. Mm. Well, uh, I guess it's time we could get into question block then. So, Corey, do we have any questions? Uh, we have. We have one question, Ed. Uh, so this came from Twitter. I, I think we have another one too, but I didn't. I didn't find it. So sorry. We'll get you next time around. Uh, so this is Drew B from Twitter. So asks, "What's our favorite Zelda game that isn't Ocarina of Time since it's the 35th anniversary in North America?" Uh, if we're not counting Breath of the Wild either, because I think that's an easy answer as well. I mean, Twilight Princess is my favorite Zelda game. I love Twilight Princess. I don't... Mm-hmm. I, I mean, to be honest, Ocarina of Time probably isn't even in my top five Zelda games, to be honest with you. Uh, playing Link's Awakening again has kind of made that game creep back up into my top five, even though it's <laughs> like... To be fair, Link's Awakening is good, but it's not great. It is unapologetically 90s game design to a fault. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. Uh, some of the quality of life things they did are fine but it's not it's it's not great design (laughs) uh but yeah i mean twilight princess is just it's the best i love twilight princess i don't care anybody says that quote-unquote three-hour intro is not three hours you can do it in an hour okay you know what else takes an hour finding the sword and shield in ocarina of time and fighting the great deku tree okay uh, for me, it's Wind Waker. Um, and I know we all said Breath of the Wild all this stuff, but Wind Waker was just so so special to me. Um, definitely with the art style, um, it has some of the best 
kind of boss fights for me. Definitely going against Ganon, uh, Ganondorf, and <laughs> we were talking about uh, another Zelda podcast. Uh, they asked a question uh, about favorite Zelda moments, and it's still that ghost pig that you fight in Wind Waker when you had to uh, use your mirror to light his body up, and yeah. then you're able to grab him, roll him like you're playing bowling, uh, and he gets spiked up and turns to all these little ghosts. And the way that that game has you smacking them, it's just pure mm-hmm. comedy, but it's still also going into the castle and unfreezing time and fighting all of those knights. That moment in gaming, like if you was playing it when it first released on GameCube, and you was experienced that for the first time, you were just like, oh, it's just it was just a whole nother level of, of greatness mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. So for for me, it, it's definitely the Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I so I after playing like Death's Door and Link's Awakening, I've been like really mm-hmm. into like rediscovering the two D top down ish Zelda games to the point where yes. like I'm charging my 3DS to play A Link Between Worlds. <laughs> Uh, because I really oh, want to play that at some point. Uh, oh, such a great game. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I still want to... I mean, my Wii U's been plugged in. I would never really unplugged it. Like, I think I put it away once, and then I brought it back mm-hmm. out. And, <laughs> you know, I want to... I. So I never finished Wind Waker HD, uh, and I want to go back and do that. And I want to... i kind of been getting the itch to play Twilight Princess again. Uh, because we've been talking about it so much. Yeah. But I hope that does come to Switch. I think I uh, they I think they will. I mean I would actually be shocked that like if something Zelda related didn't come to Switch in like sometime this year. Uh yeah. Even if it I mean even if it's like uh the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance like something you know, in, in terms mm-hmm. of Switch Online, which is still a possibility. It's only August. They could definitely release those in, like, the beginning of October as well, you know? So. I kind of I, I made next year go through all the Zelda games. Uh, like, eight, like, the first one I could, that one, that one won't take me long. Zelda 2, I do need to beat, but I think I need to beat that with a strategy guide. Yeah. Well, uh, I've been u- I told you I've been using a, two strategy guides for Link's Awakening and it's been extremely helpful because those games are incredibly difficult. Yeah. I don't have to play uh Link to the Past um because we already have a recorded episode of that season. Um so everybody can watch me play that. Um Ocarina of Time I would love to go through and uh <sighs> Goodness, Majora's Mass. I I would I think I'm gonna have to do a, a guy for that too. Um, but yeah, like I beat Breath of the Wild, <laughs> uh, Twilight Princess, and Wind Waker. Um, what other Zelda and A Link's Awakening? I finished. 
But I'm just like, man, was there any other thing uh, besides like four swords and triangle, not triangle strategy, but that triangle one with the three players of the game? Um, Triforce Heroes. Triforce Heroes, yeah. Spirit Tracks and uh, the other one, I, I could I could skip. I'm not really worried about that. Alright. Well. Yeah, but that's our answers. And everybody, that's gonna be it for Nintendo Pod Block. Uh Corey, where can we find you? You can find me at I am Corey and HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me on the Boss Rush Podcast, Nintendo Pod Block Expansion Pass, and Standard Definition. You guys can find me on Twitter at that Retrico and on Instagram. You can also check me out on the Discord and some of my writings at bossfresh.net. You can check more of Nintendo Power Block and Nintendo Special Pass on our YouTube page. But if you are a Patreon supporter, you will get a Nintendo Special Pass and other content earlier. You can go to bossfresh.net and check out our how to support us there. But then everybody have a great week, have a great weekend, and we will see you next time for Nintendo Pop Lock. Bye everybody. Woohoo! Goodbye.